Welcome to Secrets to Selling Your Business, the podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to unlock the secrets behind successful business transitions. Join our host, Jacob Koenig, a partner at Woodbridge International, as he gives you the knowledge to navigate complexities, embrace strategic shifts, and prepare you to sell your business with no regrets. At Woodbridge, we know how to give you the wisdom to achieve your ultimate success. And now, here's your host, Jacob Koenig. Right. Welcome to the show. Today, we're joined by Jeff Maines. He's the CEO of the Champion Leadership Group. Jeff, thanks for joining us today. Hey, Jacob. Great to see you. You as well. So welcome to the show. It is the Secrets to Selling Your Business podcast. So of course, I will be asking a bit about your experience with your former companies and the the sales processes associated with each. But why don't we start here uh, at the here and now? You know, in your current role um, as the CEO of the Championship Leadership Group uh, and uh, Intelligent Contacts, you're you're helping healthcare organizations improve patient experiences on the business side of healthcare. Could you delve into any of the challenges you've encountered in this space and how you've been able to create value for your clients and and what transformation you see in the the healthcare industry through your work? Sure. Sure. And as a CEO of uh, Intelligent Contacts, it's a fintech SaaS company on the, the business side of healthcare. And so we work with hospitals, health systems, and help them in two areas. One is fixing, I think, one of the biggest problems in healthcare, and that is people love the experience with their doc, and that whole thing then falls apart in the billing process. And so that is what we help them fix and make the billing experience as great as the care experience, which uh, sounds pretty amazing. Yeah, no, and no. and the second thing we do with them is patient engagement and patient experience. Oh. So we want that that great experience to extend to the entire continuum of care from the very first hello all the way through post discharge and follow up and billing. And really so it's a Does great it experience. Automatically match everyone up with their insurance, and then it, it streamlines that whole process. So you actually know what you're being billed for at the at the time, or how does that, how does that process work? We worked up primarily uh, insurance is one piece of it. Yeah. But where we really shine is on the patient side. So it's patient engagement. And so patients really understanding their billing, understanding what insurance covers, what they don't, mm-hmm. uh, putting bills into plain English, giving them online solutions instead of the, the old way of getting a bill in the mail and trying to figure out, do I really owe this? Do I not? Yeah. But giving them a, a portal they can go to, communicating with them throughout the process through phone, text, email, chat, so that they always have their, somebody available to answer questions. And so it's however they want to communicate, whenever they want to communicate, wow. and that they really understand the billing process and, you know, their part of it and make it very simple. Give them options uh, to pay. That sounds great. You know, I, I spent uh, 12 years in Asia. And so coming back to the States and, and re-engaging uh, with the U.S. healthcare system was a bit of a shock. <laughs> so I, <laughs> It is challenging. Yeah, for sure. And how about um, your your role otherwise as CEO of the Championship Leadership Group, uh, Champion Leadership Group? How do you balance the two, and and um, what do you focus on uh, at the Champion Leadership Group? Well, I have fantastic teams in both companies, and I think that's one of the the keys to success mm-hmm. is having having great teams. And so, what we do in Champion Leadership Group is we help B two B SaaS companies scale in two buckets. One is one to ten million, mm-hmm. and the other we have a mastermind that is ten to a hundred million plus. But on the journey from one to 10, a lot of companies will get to half a million, a million in revenue and, and then start to try and scale. And it's very difficult. There's really three strategic shifts to make on the journey from one to 10. And so we help companies do that, grow teams, 
really learn, you know, go from leading a team to really leading an organization, leading through people, having multiple layers of management and building organizations that grow profitably. Something that's kind of a lost art in SaaS is profitable growth. It can be done. They have a premium valuations. One of the things we're talking about today is because you want to get a premium for your business when you go to sell, if that's something you want to do or raise money or whatever it is. And then freedom. So many of us become entrepreneurs for the freedom aspect. Yeah. And too often it ends up we're trading a job that paid pretty well to now where you know you become your own boss and you're working twice as much for half as much. Mm. And so what we really want is for people to experience the entrepreneurial freedom. And that's part of you know, how can I be in two organizations at once? It's it's having the, the teams in place to yeah. do that. And uh as part of that growth process, do you focus also on building that team around each of your clients, uh making sure that they have the same level of support? Yes. I think that's a, a real key. Yeah. One of the hardest things to do as a, a leader, uh, especially an entrepreneur, is to let go. Mm. Uh, as entrepreneurs, we're really good at, at building things and creating, and we think that we have all the answers. And in the early days, we do because there is no one else. Right. <laughs> and then you know, as, as we grow, we have to let those things go. Mm. And that's a very difficult transition, especially if it's something that you are really good at. And so there are things that, that we're good at that we do. There are things that we're not good at that we do just because there is nobody else. And then the things that are really strategic that we're great at that we shouldn't let go. And so it's finding that balance of, of what are the things that, that we should hold on to that we're really great at? What are things that we're okay at or pretty good at that we can let go? And what are things that we, we shouldn't be doing at all? Like uh, email. Yeah. <laughs> you know, nobody should be managing their inbox. You know, there are other people that are really good at that. Administrative task, HR, payroll. I mean, there's some real simple things that are, are more mundane tasks that can easily be let go to somebody else. So you can focus on what's strategic and moving your business forward. It's really interesting, too, because there's a lot of overlap, it sounds, between this type of uh, consulting work and, and how we operate with our clients who are looking to sell their businesses. You know, it's it's one of those things we always hear from management meetings uh, with potential buyers is what do you want to do going forward post acquisition? Uh, how how would your role be, you know, as a business owner uh, operator in that post acquisition phase? Right. Uh, and I mean, you've experienced it personally yourself as well. How has your experience been in uh, in the transition phase after acquisition? It's been mixed. Yeah, And so there have been, I mean, if you look at its studies, I think at 80% or so of entrepreneurs a year after they sell, wish they hadn't. And I think that, you know, I've had some of that, some of those experiences sold, uh, built five companies, sold four, right. and uh, and still run that, the, the two today. And I guess in five, I just count one of those, but it's been mixed. So there are times where, you know, there are things that I wish I'd done differently. There are times where it's been a really good experience. And there's times where I stayed on, you know, contractually agreed to stay on for another three years. And it was brutal. Right. And, you know, wish I hadn't done that. So there's definitely a learning curve uh, to doing that. And if you do it once, you do it twice, you, you learn some things, go, I want to do it different next time. For sure. And and you do it that the next time and you go, well, that was that was maybe better. But there's still some things I want to change. I, I don't think you ever have it all figured out. And every deal is unique. For sure. And you talk about a, a brutal three-year experience there. I'm, I'm curious to hear what was particularly challenging for you in, in that experience? Well, yeah, it was one of the things, there were four partners and, and one of us had to stay on yeah. for three years and mm -hmm. uh, immediately two were gone. And yeah. so then then there were two and uh, then another one left to have a baby and and then there was me. Yeah, just a lot and, of work. Uh, 
Yeah, right. Year one was was okay because they didn't really do a whole lot. It was just kind of an integration and kind of figuring right. things out. Uh, year two, uh, things changed pretty significantly in trying to roll our model into their model. Yeah. And the two models were just completely incompatible. I see. And so trying to figure out, you know, how do you, how do we fit this square peg into a round hole? And it, it just, it, it ends up being kind of frustrating and just looking at what you've built and watch it kind of be dismantled right. in the process. Yeah, and so, you know, sometimes is that a good thing? Sometimes is it something that's necessary? Sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but so often I think that acquiring companies miss out on the value of the companies they buy because they don't really understand what it is that they're buying. And then the sellers don't really understand what it is that they're selling. And so you have this mismatch on both sides. Yeah. And so, you know, in the end, you know, a year down the road, everybody's frustrated and like, well, well, this didn't work out. Yeah. And it's think- because it wasn't right in the beginning. Yeah. And so I think it's really important is figuring out, yeah. you know, is this a good match from the very beginning? Absolutely. You know, and that's why at Woodbridge, we always try to go out to as many potential buyers as we can get a big, robust auction going. And, and that way we can really make sure we're zeroing in on the right fit. And at the same time, yes. you know, explaining as much as possible, the narrative elements of the company, we have sim videos, we have all of the rest to, to get really deep into what it is that sets uh, our clients apart. And so I'm curious to hear, I know some of your uh, sales processes you did with a broker, with an advisor, and some were without, or maybe with a lawyer. Um, right. Can you tell us a bit about how those experiences differed and, and why you went down one route or another? I think some of it depends on the size of the company. Some of it depends on just the, the, the level of sophistication. Mm-hmm. Uh, back at the beginning, the first one, I didn't know any better. Right. And, and it's, again, it's one of those learning experiences you go... Oh, that's how that worked. I mean, you know, it wasn't, uh, I guess the, the second time around, third time around. Yeah. I really understood acquisitions can be free. Well, wait a second. How does that work? You know, and you think about like multiples and how private companies versus public companies are traded and like, well, that makes complete sense now. And so just learning so many things, but yeah, you know, I would say everybody should be working with a broker and it really doesn't matter what the size of the company is. Uh, whether that is a giant company and you're looking for one of the, the big investment bankers, if you're looking for a broker, if you're looking, you know, wherever it is, because you really need that professional advice. And, you know, you think, well, we if I, day, you only do once, uh, usually, right. or in your case, exactly, times, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And even doing it multiple times, like I said, I've learned things every single time that I didn't know before. Yeah. And so having somebody there to walk with you that lives this stuff every single day is really, really important. And that the big pushback is, well, if I get a broker, then it's going to cost you money. Right. But the thing is, if you don't, I promise you, it will cost you way more money For sure. because I've done that. It's one of friends, Keith Cunningham, he calls it paying the dumb tax. And I have paid lots and lots of dumb tax over the years. And but having, you know, just paying whatever it is. Right. For an advisor and a broker is so worth it because they're they're going to save you so much headache, so much heartache. And I love the way that you guys do it because you're you're going out and finding multiple, uh, you know, the auction style is you're finding bidders, you're finding, you know, multiple suitors instead of one. When you have uh, an auction where there's one bidder, then, you know, the price is not going to be the same thing it is if there are 10 and you don't have the choices, you don't have the options. And so, you know, even if you decide not to sell, 
having those conversations and really going through the process and understanding what it's like to, you know, do multiple dinners, meet different companies, yeah. understand. It's like, you know, would you just meet us as a person one time and go, yeah, I think I'm going to marry that person. That's insane. Yeah. But we that's what happens in businesses so often. It's just, it's just somebody shows up and you go, okay, somebody wants to pay me some money. I guess I'll take it. But there's so much more to that and really understanding and figuring out, okay, this company does the things this way. I like that. Well, this company does them a little bit different. I don't know that that's really a strategic fit for us. Well, this company has some really big vision over here and things that they want to do. That doesn't really fit our core values and who we are. And so it's really understanding what does that look like and what are we looking for? And that's really the way to do that is to understand what's out there and, and get a feel for those companies. After, after the acquisition, as you pointed out. You right. Know, a lot of hard right. Work, a lot of those, those uh, difficulties that otherwise might pop up in those transition periods. So, yeah, it's the thing of, of the conversation of, you know, I always say, well, I wish I'd known. Yeah. Well, this is a way that, that you can do that. Yeah. And you've built a lot of wisdom from from these experiences, good good and bad, but you know. <laughs> I paid a lot of dumb tax. That's how you gain wisdom, I guess. But I think, you know, having all of that uh, experience, you you have put a lot of, of these thoughts and others into the books that you've written. Um, you've authored a book called Small Fish, Big Pond there behind you. Um, yes. Could you tell us a bit about what inspired you to write that and maybe a couple of key takeaways from that book you think every entrepreneur should know, especially those who are considering selling their business. Sure. Uh, Small Fish, Big Pond is a, a book that came after years of uh, being asked to, to write a book. And I, I just kept saying, no, no, no. And, and finally just did. Uh, it's something I always wanted to do, but it seemed like such a giant undertaking. Uh, but it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Right. Uh, and it is, Small Fish, Big Pond is kind of two things. One, it, it's a combination of, of story as well as business principles. Uh, things that I've learned over the years and looking at business through the world of fish. Mm-hmm. And so there's a, you know, fish is something in really the ocean. It's been something that's been a big part of, of my journey and, and something I, I love. And to be able to take that and combine the two, that uh, was a, a lot of fun. Sounds like you have a, a love for maritime activities. And all yes. That. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, it's wonderful to bring that in and, uh, and tie that together with your business experience. Yeah. And so that's one of the things that somebody called it a business book that doesn't know it's a business book. <laughs> it's got so many different uh, things, but it's really, yeah, eight different principles on building companies and how to grow. Uh, yeah. One, how to differentiate yourself in the marketplace, right. how to, uh, you know, craft messages that to attract your ideal clients right. and then turn them into convert them, which of course mm-hmm. you want to do, and then turn them into your you know, raving fans. And so it's really about how to, to build a business smart. Uh, a couple yeah. of takeaways. One, I understand a lot of the uh, the companies that you've built have been all in the same sort of SaaS field. And having that sort of a narrower potential client base has been a, a big boon to growing up rapidly and uh, and getting getting a business up and running in, in a position to maybe even uh, sell. Yes. Yeah. Two have been in that, the SaaS space. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the, the principles in the book is to get big go small. Right. And that is really to focus in narrowly. And when you think that you're you're narrow enough on your market, go smaller. And when you think you're too small, go smaller because you're probably just starting to get there. Right. And so many business owners that talk to, you know, who's your ideal client? Well, you know, it's small companies and big companies and solopreneurs and enterprises. And it, it's anybody that has a pulse, right? Yeah. Well, that's nobody can market to that. 
and nobody really understands the message. But when you go small and you really narrow down, uh, for example, Champion Leadership Group, we work with B two B SaaS companies that are you know one to ten million. Hmm. That is is you know, a very narrow audience. There are about seventeen, eighteen thousand of those in the country. And so that's that's a, an audience well, plenty, that we can plenty to build a business around. That's for yes, sure. yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, people are so concerned about saying no to business or going too small, mm-hmm. and that they they go so wide that they're not a fit for anybody. We actually we have that problem as well when we're going out to our SEO people, and they're like, "But we we can get you more clicks." And like, well, we don't want the clicks that aren't going to fit <laughs> our criteria for you know businesses of a, a million dollars of EBITDA, to usually fifty million. Uh, We'll sure. go a little bit higher sometimes, but you know it's that again, making sure that it is targeted uh, that allows you to focus on on what you're best at. Right, and I think it, it makes it a lot easier to sell as well because you have concentration in industry, you have expertise, and you can really be the expert that your ideal clients are looking for, not a, a generalist, and and then trying to figure out is this really a fit for us or not. They see your business and they go, "Wow, this was made for me." This is exactly what I was looking for. Precisely. And Jeff, I'd like to ask you something a little bit uh, more off the cuff here. Do you have any um, memorable speaking engagements or anything that had a a significant impact uh, on your audience? And maybe you could describe a little bit about the topic that you addressed. Sure. I speak quite a bit. I've done a lot of virtual as well as in person. And I love being back in person Mm. uh, the last uh, year or so. It's been so nice. I love being around people. But yeah, in, engaging with the audience, we talk about uh, small fish, big pond. Yep. We actually create a, a model mm. live, yeah. which is a, a lot of fun. So they walk away with a, uh, a model of you know how they're going to connect uh, innovation and marketing, and how those two things fit together. Mm. So I think that's something that is is really fun and memorable. Uh, yeah, you know, different different speaking things. You know, you show up at at, at speakers and meet a lot of different people. There's a uh, you know crazy stories of, that have happened, you know, big places, big stages, orchestra pits. And uh, it was with uh, another person speaking and, uh, and just you know, watching from the back because I was about to go up next and the speakers go in and just disappear. It's like, huh. what happened? Yeah. <laughs> he found the orchestra pit, popped oh, right wow. back up, kept right on going, did not even miss a beat. So, I, you know, Brazilian. lots and lots of fun things happen. It's uh, at live events, unpredictable. Absolutely. Kind of like, you know, the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, unpredictable. And, you know, we get knocked down and pop right back up and keep on going. Yeah, you got it. If you're going to survive it. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Jeff, you, you've written another book now, which uh, I understand is is going to be published soon. Could you speak yes. at all about uh, The Captain's Keys and uh, what's it about and, and when we might expect to be able to, to get it on our shelves? Yes. Looking at a January 2024 release. Excellent. And The Captain's Keys follows the, the journey of a, a boat captain. Right. And uh, we talk about uh, entrepreneurs really being a captain of the ship and uh, the different roles. And uh, we explore a model uh, within uh, the book, and it's the the four people that every successful leader needs. And that is an anchor, a crew, a navigator, and a champion. And so just like I talked about at the, the beginning, the crew there yeah. is the, your team. And so it's really building out your team. The captain is not running around the ship doing yeah. all the work. Absolutely. Uh, there's a crew that is actually doing specific functions and how to build out those functions hmm. uh, within an organization. And so it's really looking at the, the model and, and how you build that in the organization. 
and really be able to find the pieces if there's something missing in the organization or for you as a leader that you, you say, hey, there's a gap I have. Uh, I want to fill that. So we've got some very specific ways on how to find and fill those gaps as well. I've got to ask, what is the anchor? The anchor. I think that's one of the, the most important. Hmm. And it's one of the reasons that we start with that is uh, the anchor in your business. They think about uh, different elements of the, the business. So the anchor knows you very well. They don't necessarily know your business, uh, but the anchor helps keep you grounded and keep you uh, safe in storms. And so they help you keep help keep you from drifting off into dangerous directions. Hmm. So you don't get too high. You don't get too low. Uh, it's a place that to shelter in from the storm. And I think as, as entrepreneurs, a lot of times we're out there on our own and, mm-hmm. and maybe can feel a little bit adrift, maybe get beat up by the waves. And it's a, a person in our lives that can you know, speak truth to us, that can tell us who we are, can remind us. And again, that uh, we're not all that when things are, are fantastic and we're better than we feel when things are, are terrible. And to really kind of keep us you know, in, in, in good places and give us a place where we can go and find safe harbor. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's really, really important as yeah. leaders. I really like that. You know, it's something that I think a lot of leadership books often overlook. Um, yes. Not just about the vision, not just about the future, but also about <laughs> making sure that you're true to the, to the core and able to take that, that time. Right, right. And if we don't take care of ourselves as leaders, and I'm not great at that, mm-hmm. but if we don't take care of ourselves as leaders, we can't take care of other people. Right. We can't take care of our teams, our families, our, our investors. Mm. And so I think that's really important is making sure that, you know, that, that as leaders, we're mentally healthy, that we have people in our lives yeah. that uh, that we can go to. We have, uh, you know, candid conversations that we can we can really have real conversations and we don't have to to pretend to be something that we're not or be awesome or be in a great mood all the time, that, that we can have those moments that are down right. uh, when we have those moments that are high that they can celebrate with us and make sure that we're celebrating in positive ways and not drifting off again into dangerous directions. And again, having that crew, you know, it's, it's one of the things that we talk a lot in, uh, in our management meeting trainings, uh, all of our new clients go through it to understand what it is that buyers are expecting to hear, you know, and what do they need to hear? And part of that is if you're looking to exit the business, you need to be able to show, demonstrate that the business can operate without you. That right. the business uh, can succeed, you know, with the next generation of, of the the management team. So we often will stress the importance of even getting them in on the process, having the next uh, set of management team members in on the management meetings to sit in from the beginning, because again, that's going to actually drive value even higher. Right. Right. I'm curious in your experience of selling companies, did you have different experiences in terms of how much knowledge there was at the company, uh, how little or, or otherwise? Yes. And, and I've made so many mistakes you know, along the way and uh, you know, call it the, it's the owner's trap. It's yeah. thinking that I am, I'm the person right. who knows everything and I should. And, you know, if, if I let somebody else do it, one, they're going to do it wrong mm. uh, because it's not my way. Maybe it's better, but it's not my way. And, you know, holding that knowledge and so sharing that or just making it where it's it's urban legend and you have a company that's 10, 15 employees, maybe that works for a little while, but you get to be 20, 30, 40, 50. That doesn't work anymore. You can't just pass that on, you know, through through urban legend. Mm-hmm. You've got to actually document. You have to have processes, right. you have to have things in place that, uh, you know, maybe even you know, a grown up company. Mm-hmm. So you go from startup to, to grown up yeah. and but have processes. 
And yeah. so, but, but if you do that from the very beginning and and be able to to share that and share that knowledge, then it makes it much easier to transition out. Sure. And the, the crazy thing is when you let things go and you find some somebody that is great at something that you're just kind of okay at, the business flourishes and they do better. And maybe it's not your way, but that's okay. You know, 80, 90% of somebody else's time is, you know, 80%, 90% less of your time. And if you're going to grow as a leader, you're going to grow as a company, that's absolutely critical. That concept, you know, of level five leadership, including humility, uh, the ability to have a flexible mindset of understanding where maybe someone can do something better than yourself. Right. Uh, you know, it's something we always try to stress uh, throughout the sale process. It's, a, it's an emotional journey, uh, often a roller coaster up and down. And, uh, you know, when you go to multiple potential buyers, you have 20 bids, you, you really are hearing the market speak. And, and this is the value. It's not Woodbridge telling you what your company's worth. It's, it's right. the market. And to be able to listen, understand what's being said and why, and then react to that. You know, yes. that's, I think, what we always strive to advise our clients to do. That's super important. That, that was all I had in terms of, of questions here for you today. Is there anything else that you'd like to say to our audience? Sure. If you'd like to learn more, check out championleadership.com. Uh, check out the book, Small Fish, Big Pond. You can find it. Uh, yeah, you can go to Champion Leadership, find everything. Right. Uh, but uh, you check it out there, Amazon or wherever. And uh, you can find me on social across the board. I'm the same everywhere. And that is at Jeff, middle initial K, last name Mains. So love to connect with you. Yeah, and all of uh, all those links should be here on the bottom of uh, whatever medium you're you're watching or listening to this on. So excellent. Jeff, really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, Jacob. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to another episode of Secrets to Selling Your Business, the podcast for entrepreneurs and business owners looking to unlock the secrets behind successful business transitions. We hope you enjoyed listening to this week's guest and their insights. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts.